2: This is the John Fuglesang Podcast. I'm John Fuglesang. This is SiriusXM Progress. Welcome to it. Hope you had a good Tuesday. We're at 866-997-4748. For the next three hours, we'll be coming at you with music, with facts, with empathy, with history, with, with uh, something approaching comedy. And we all are doing it just to try to bring you, our listener, to the brink of entertainment. I come to you live in New York City, Chris Household is our executive producer, he's running this thing from South Carolina, the mighty Thea Harper is running this thing from Brooklyn, we are so glad you are with us. Uh, later this week we'll be bringing you my conversation with Timothy B. Schmidt of the Eagles on the eve of them going out for their newest tour. And today, uh, I sat down with both Academy Award-nominated writer-director Ryan Johnson and Natasha Leon. Their their show, uh, Poker Face, is a big hit on Peacock Network. And Ryan Johnson from Brick, which is a great movie, Looper, one of the best sci-fi movies ever, little scene indie, Star Wars, The Last Jedi. He wrote and directed that, too. And of course, the last two Knives Out movies. Their new series is really a hoot. Chris Houselt got me all into it, and it's super fun, and it was really great to finally have them both on the show. So look forward to that that. And tomorrow we're going to do an interview with Alan Cumming. Alan Cumming just sent his, his OBE back to the British Empire, his Order of the British Empire Medal, which he got for all of his LGBT activism in the 90s. He's He just sent it back uh, in protest. And that's as good a way to promote your new reality show as anything I ever heard of. So happy to have him as well. So Let's get to it. Tonight, heck of a show. Glenn Kirshner returns. uh, The great legal analyst of MSNBC. He'll be with us shortly. We'll be with uh, Natalia Reagan for another edition of Shit You Can't Say, uh, because every week she's got to come up with a new expression that we use our whole lives that we didn't know is evil. And now she's come here to make us all feel bad about it. Dr. Tracy Lawrence will be with us in the third hour. And as always, our most important guest is you, 866-997-4748. Let's do a show. Tonight's show, by the way, is uh, dedicated to ExxonMobil, uh, who just earned nearly $56 billion, with a B, billion, in profit in 2022. You, you, know how, you know how I spent all last year defending Joe Biden from the high gas prices, talking about how it's the oil companies and the gas companies that are charging this much? Well, yeah, they, they, I, I was telling you the truth. They set an annual record, not just for themselves but for any American or European oil giant. $56 billion in profits alone last year. To say nothing of the subsidies we're going to give them. That's, that's, that's $6.7 million per hour they made. I mean, think about that. The White House put out a statement. The latest earnings reports make clear that oil companies have everything they need, including record profits and thousands of unused but approved permits to increase production, but they're instead choosing to plow those profits into padding the pockets of executives and shareholders, while House Republicans manufacture excuse after excuse to shield them from any accountability. That's from the White House. And they're saying that because they have to, because the mainstream media is not going to cover this. Joe Biden was just proven completely right about gas prices. And now that the gas prices have gone down low, we find out how much they made. Guys, this is all you have to say. ExxonMobil was posting record profits. While you or people you know were struggling to pay for gas and to pay for heating oil in their homes, fortunately, the Fox News audience will never be disturbed by these facts. So let's get to the real story tonight, guys. And the real story tonight is two old white guys, because it turns out the two old white guys, it looks like they're both really definitely running for president as of today. You know, the concept of a grand jury comes originally from, from England and, and Athens, Greece. It's thought to first be mentioned in the Charter of Liberties and Privileges of 1683. That was passed by New York State's General Assembly, and it established 12 counties and rules for elections and, and, and the colonists' right. And of course, to this day, what we call the Fifth Amendment is revered. That was ratified in 1791. And the Fifth Amendment protects a person from being compelled in any criminal case to be a witness against himself. I mean, it's great. That amendment was really born of a desire to protect witnesses from an inquisitorial star chamber of 15th century England. The fifth amendment creates a lot of individual rights for both civil and criminal legal proceedings. It's a good thing. It states a person only has to answer for their crimes when on a presentment or indictment of a grand jury. So even though there are some negative implications of taking the fifth, you guys know the Supreme Court has always regarded the right against self-incrimination as a deeply important part of the Constitution. It's one thing the conservatives and progressives have agreed on. They try to ensure that a witness's silence should not be equated with guilt. And during Watergate, Nixon famously told the aides, I want you to stonewall it, let them plead the Fifth Amendment, cover it up or anything else. Donald Trump, of course, for years (laughs) attacked the Fifth Amendment. He, He said it was something mobsters did. If you're innocent, why are you taking the Fifth Amendment? He said that in a when he was campaigning in 2016, complaining about aides to Hillary Clinton. Uh, the mob takes the fifth. Hillary Clinton never took the fifth. My, Michael Flynn did, former Trump national security advisor who was fired. Uh, he refused to hand over documents subpoenaed by the Senate Intelligence Committee. They were looking into his interactions with Russia. He would not cooperate. Trump's attorney, Michael Cohen, he's been on the show. He He pled the fifth in the civil lawsuit filed by Stormy Daniels, who named Cohen as a defendant. And as you remember, last summer, Donald Trump refused to answer questions that were posed to him by New York Attorney General's, uh, New York's Attorney General, Letitia James, in her investigation into his business dealings. Well, today, if you were wondering why Donald Trump was making so many pronouncements about Stormy Daniels, essentially admitting that she was telling the truth all along, well, um, li- listing his, uh, his ways he wants to persecute trans kids, Donald Trump was trying to distract you from the fact that today they released the video with our first look at the former host of Celebrity Apprentice uh, giving a deposition last summer in the New York Attorney General's civil fraud investigation. He sat for questioning under oath, and the video shows him uh, politely answering the opening questions. And by politely answering the opening questions, I mean reading from a piece of paper like it's a hostage video. Here is Donald Trump last summer.
3: Anyone in my position not taking the Fifth Amendment would be a fool, an absolute fool one statement or answer that is ever so slightly off just ever so slightly by accident by mistake such as it was a sunny beautiful day when actually it was slightly overcast would be met by law enforcement under the advice of my counsel and for all of the above reasons i respectfully declined to answer the questions under the rights and privileges afforded to every citizen under the United States Constitution.
2: Now, the New York attorney general's civil case is going to go to trial October 2nd. okay? and of course, the judge in that case has repeatedly rejected attempts by Trump's attorneys to push the date back. But today was also a bad day for Trump, because the same day this video came out, New York's attorney general asked a judge to sanction former President Trump and his three adult children, his daughter, Ivanka, and his two oldest sons, Fredo and Shemp, and the Trump Organization and their lawyers over their responses to some questions in her civil fraud lawsuit against them. Turns out, turns out that on January 26th, the defendants filed these formal answers where it was what happened in similar lawsuits. They, they, they denied or claimed to lack sufficient knowledge about dozens of accusations. In other words, they had to turn in their answers to some of her questions in this investigation as their scheme to manipulate the asset values to make themselves seem richer or poorer in order to get banks or insurers to give them a better deal. That was fraud. That's what they've all done. Ivanka was criticized by James for saying she did not know whether she had personally met with certain bankers or she couldn't confirm the contents of her own emails. Letitia James asked for sanctions today against them. Donald Trump just got sanctioned a million dollars by a judge last week for his frivolous lawsuits. And yesterday, Donald Trump sued Bob Woodward. Do you think that's what the MAGA folks want to hear? Oh, Donald Trump, you're fighting for us. You sued Bob Woodward. You sued him for being on this show, I think. He's having a rough time, Donald Trump, but he's really running. He's trying to raise money. NBC News reported he only collected about nine and a half million dollars in the last weeks of 2022. And Republican sources have said that Announcing his bid just after these really rough midterms, it's pretty stupid, especially when he wasn't on Facebook at the time. Eric Wilson, a Republican digital fundraising consultant who's not with the campaign, he said it very well. If you want a big fundraising pop when you announce your campaign, you don't do it right after an election where all your donors are burned out from being bombarded by fundraising asks, and you don't have a great track record to show for it. (laughs) So Trump's really running because he's deflecting from everything. He's flipping out. He's not raising money. DeSantis is making mincemeat of him. The polls are starting to turn. And Donald Trump owes Deutsche Bank $2 billion, allegedly. So he put out this video on Truth Social today. And if you want a sign that he's really running, because, again, I've, I've called it a phony campaign. Guys, he doesn't have a campaign manager. He doesn't seem to have a communications director. He just seems to have a way to fleece the rubes even more. But he's really doing his best impression of Ron DeSantis. And now... He has hit upon the hot new Republican idea to get elected. Be incredibly cruel and shitty to trans children. That's it. That, 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 that's how they're going to help you. That's how they're going to make prices go down. They're going to fight inflation by cracking down on transgender rights. Uh, and Donald Trump released this video outlining his new proposals. Uh, pass a law banning gender affirming care for minors nationwide. Punish doctors and hospitals who do it. Pass a law establishing the government only recognizes two genders, male and female. They are assigned at birth and can't be changed. Launch federal investigations into the pharmaceutical industry for helping these people transition like they want and to sue teachers and cut off federal funding for schools that encourage gender affirming care. What does encourage mean? Uh, Not hating trans people, probably. He's just trying to be DeSantis. And it's sad and it's mean and it shows how hollow their arguments are. And this stuff didn't work in 2022. Stupid meanness helped him in 2016. The American Medical Association has warned of the negative mental health impacts these laws, these restrictions would have on transgender kids who have an increased risk of suicide. But this is it, right? Remember last time he ran as very pro-LGBT, very marriage equality, much more liberal. Not anymore. Donald Trump is scared and Donald Trump is really running. Meanwhile, uh, Joe Biden Joe Biden is 80, he'll be 82 in two years, and Joe Biden is really running. We we talk about it all the time, and I, I'm gonna ask you guys to call us up and give your opinions on Joe Biden running for reelection. I, I don't have the same problem with it a lot of other people have. I don't mind that he's 82. I, I care about the policies more. I don't mind that he might take a nap now and then to feel fresh and recharged. I I, I got no problem with that. Paul McCartney's 80. Martin Scorsese's 80. Y- you can do a good job. And again, I cannot state this enough. It's kind of nice having a president we know who isn't worried about his next mistress or his next job. But up in New Hampshire, we mentioned this last night, Democrats don't want Joe Biden to run for re-election. And according to a new University of New Hampshire poll, they're really seriously considering voting against him. And that's really the reason why Joe Biden has been working for the last year to take New Hampshire's importance away in the 2024 nominating process. You know, I mean, obviously, if the election were held today and New Hampshire was still the first primary, Joe Biden would be really, really vulnerable to a progressive challenger in that state. He only came in fifth in New Hampshire four years ago. I mean, that was the worst he ever did. And what was the state that saved Joe Biden in 2020? It was South Carolina. And that's why they're trying to move South Carolina up to be the first state that goes for it. It's pretty crazy, but two-thirds of New Hampshire Democrats don't want Biden to run for a second term. For me, it's just like, let's see who he's running against. What are the policies? If there's someone better than Biden, go ahead. I'll vote for him or her. Show me who's better. Show me who's more electable. Show me who's not going to get Donald Trump a second term or Ron DeSantis a first term, and I'll hear you out. The DNC is going to vote next month on Joe Biden's proposal to revamp the calendar, but... It's the clearest sign yet that Biden really is doing this. It would move New Hampshire to be second, along with Nevada, on February 5th, a year from now. New Hampshire would then have to repeal a state law guaranteeing their spot as the first primary of the country, which the state party leaders have said is not possible. So what's going to happen? The, the New Hampshire Democrats are saying they're going to have still hold a first in the nation primary unsanctioned by the DNC, and they won't allocate any delegates. It's already getting ugly over there. But it really seems like South Carolina is excited about this. Again, it was the DNC Southern Caucus that backed this plan this week. Eight members of the DNC Southern Caucus leadership team, that's state party chairs and DNC members from North Carolina down to Texas. They all signed on endorsing Biden's changes, which means South Carolina will be the first in the nation primary. Now, why is Joe Biden doing this? Well, he's saying it's more fair. It's more diverse in South Carolina. And it's completely right. It's the voting process. The populace of the Democrats in South Carolina looks like America a lot more than New Hampshire. But that's not why he's doing it. He's doing it because he wants to run for a second term and he's afraid of a more liberal primary challenger. And also, you want another sign that Joe Biden's really running? He announced yesterday he's going to allow the emergency public health declaration to end in May. And that was first implemented at the beginning of COVID-19. But now on May 11th of this year, both the national emergency and the public health emergency declarations will end. You would think it's a coincidence Biden announces the end of the pandemic emergency order one week before he gives the State of the Union address? He's running for president, guys. He's really doing it. Even though COVID-19 has now become the eighth most common cause of death among children in the United States, even though rural Mississippi led the U.S. in COVID-19 infection rates last week, even though COVID-19 has surpassed pneumonia and the flu to now be the leading respiratory cause of death among children and teenagers they are going to repeal it. It won't be an emergency anymore. And the White House is planning to end these pandemic-related emergency declarations, but for Congresswoman Elise Stefanik and the Republican House, that's not soon enough. Give a listen to uh, someone who went to Harvard, and now she's Ivy League Anonymous, playing it as dumb as she can because of you-know-who. Here is uh, Rep Stefanik with her chopping block wish list.
4: This week, House Republicans are voting on legislation to restore our constitutional rights and freedoms after two long years of Democrats' COVID-19 power grab policies. The extended COVID lockdowns, like the ones we saw in my home state of New York, caused irreparable damage to our children's development, financial strain on our small businesses, and unnecessary deaths among our most vulnerable seniors due to former disgraced Governor Andrew Cuomo's deadly and fatal nursing home order.
0: What? Under the guise
4: of COVID-19, Democrats' authoritarian policies weaponized the federal government, forced unconstitutional vaccine mandates, and cost hundreds of billions in waste and abuse of Americans' hard-earned taxpayer dollars. This week, House Republicans will pass a bill that will force the federal government to acknowledge what the American people already know. The pandemic is over. In addition, the Freedom (laughs) for Healthcare Workers Act will end the the unconstitutional COVID-19 vaccine mandates that cost our
2: healthcare workers. Thank you, Chris. I, 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 Did we miss anything, Chris, or did we get roughly the idea? Um, um, you got to go back to work.
5: Everyone be there uh, 7 a.m. sharp with your shovels and pickaxes.
2: There we go. Thank you very much, Chris. Now, here's the funny thing about that, because Joe Biden is in New York City today. And, you know, traffic wasn't that bad. I got to say, it didn't get snarled. I, I guess when a president comes to New York City and doesn't keep the motorcade on Fifth Avenue uh, snarling traffic all through Midtown for hours, it's kind of nice. But he came to the city to announce $292 million in funding for part of the Gateway Tunnel Project that's going to build a whole new train tunnel under the Hudson River to New Jersey. This is all thanks to the bipartisan infrastructure law. And it's great, but it's a sign he's running for president. I mean, come on. Am I right? It's a $292 million grant to help complete an early phase of the Hudson Tunnel project. This is very excited. Mayor Eric Adams was with them, and uh, Governor Hochul was there, Governor Murphy of New Jersey, Senator Schumer, Senator Gillibrand, Cory Booker was there, Bob Menendez, every. And this is going to really improve reliability for the 200,000 weekday passengers on Amtrak and on New Jersey Transit. Biden said this is one of the biggest, most consequential projects in the country, but we finally have the money. And we're going to get it done. I promise we're going to get it done. This is all part of Rail Week. You know, he's in Baltimore on Monday to talk about the infrastructure to replace their 150-year-old tunnel there. He's running. And this really represents what could be lost if the Republican Party gets power and starts implementing their spending cuts. This construction in New York is going to result in 72,000 jobs. According to the White House, it's going to renovate a tunnel from 1910 that's already carrying 200,000 humans every week below the river between Jersey and Manhattan. It's going to finally do it. 70,000 plus good paying jobs to ensure 200,000 commuters have safe underground transportation. Annalise Stefanik wasn't there because she voted no on the bill.
1: (sighs) Ah.
0: Sleeping Dogs. Now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery.
2: I'm John Fugel saying this is Sirius XM Progress. No former U.S. president has ever taken the Fifth Amendment. And Donald Trump has set the record and then broken it 400 times. I'm so glad to have Glenn Kirshner here at times like this. Mr. Kirshner is a former federal prosecutor with 30 years of trial experience. He served in the U.S. Attorney's Office for the District of Columbia for 24 years, rose to the position of Chief of the Homicide Section. You lot might know him as an excellent and in-demand NBC and MSNBC legal analyst and host of the video and podcast show Justice Matters. If you don't subscribe to Justice Matters, take a moment. If you're driving, please pull over to the side, download it right now, start subscribing, thank me later. You can support Glenn at patreon.com slash Glenn What a great pleasure to welcome Mr. Kirshner back to SiriusXM. Hello.
3: John, my pleasure. Great to be with you.
2: So good to see you, sir. Thank you for staying up late. Obviously, the news that Donald Trump took the Fifth Amendment 400 times is nothing new, but both the release of the video and the timing of the release of the video. I mean, today, on the same day that Tish James asks a judge to impose further sanctions on the family for falsified answers to a survey, it does sort of seem that this uh, investigation and the attendant battle are just beginning to heat up.
3: You know, it has felt like the noose has been tightening around Donald Trump for a very long time. And then somehow he always seems to avoid accountability. So, you know, I am still somebody who believes that his time in the barrel, to borrow a phrase, is coming. The only question that I have, John, is which jurisdiction will be the first to indict him because I'm telling you, I, I am not a high roller. One dollar is my betting limit, but I would bet a buck that within the coming months, Donald Trump will find himself criminally indicted.
2: I will take that bet. I think he will. And I will bet that it's Fonnie Willis who will be the first based on the fact that she talked about um, imminent indictments and used the plural. That to me seemed like a tell. Maybe I'm reading too much into it.
3: No, she is a very serious, determined prosecutor you know i don't know her personally but everything i've seen about the way she's gone about investigating the georgia state election crimes of donald trump and his criminal associates has impressed me when she met with resistance from these scared little boys i I hesitate to call them men people like mike flynn and rudy giuliani and lindsey graham they desperately did not want to testify about the election crimes of Donald Trump. They ran to court. Please, Judge, don't make me testify in Fawny Willis's special Mm -hmm. grand jury. And Fawny Willis beat the pants out of off of every last one of them, including Lindsey Graham, who went all the way up to the Supreme Court. And every court told these three, no, go into the grand jury and testify. It's anybody's guess as to what they said once they went in there. I suspect some of them pleaded the Fifth Amendment but you know she put 75 reluctant witnesses before the special grand jury and as we now know the special grand jury authored a report now in Mm -hmm. reality the prosecutors authored the report based on the evidence that was developed in the special grand jury they present the report to the special grand jury and that special grand jury undoubtedly approved the report So when she stood up in court earlier this or last week, I guess it was, and she said to the judge in a very clear-eyed fashion, this report can't be released publicly yet because there are defendants multiple. And she emphasized that a number of times. There are defendants coming. We have to honor and respect their right to a fair trial. Mm -hmm. And um, my charging decisions are, quote, imminent i don't think she is casual or cavalier with her words and that's why i agree with you i think the first uh, indictment out of the blocks will be Fawny willis in georgia
2: can i just take a moment glenn to speak from a place of deep sincerity and just commend you not just for how you choose to direct your talents in service of this community in this country but your ability to keep Intact the details of so many different criminal investigations of Donald Trump at the same time. I watched you do these interviews and you 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 have to be so mentally agile to shift from talking about Fonnie Willis to talking about the Letitia James investigation to talking about Alvin Bragg, which we'll get to, to talking about the documents at Mar-a-Lago to talking about the E. Jean Carroll case. It just keeps going on and on. And I somehow believe there there will be more, won't there?
3: Th- there will um and you know the the tish james um case obviously it's not a surprise we had heard the reporting previously about donald trump pleading the fifth uh, 400 times we got to see him do it and it really was not fun to watch i'm not going to no, say it was, ugly. It was i'm not going to get snarky but yeah it it was it was really sad to watch but y- you know People should know that the Fifth Amendment means different things depending on the forum in which you invoke it. Somebody who invokes their Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination. And believe me, that is a constitutional right I embrace and I will fight for everybody's right to prevent the government from compelling you to incriminate yourself. If we didn't have that Fifth Amendment protection. Well, then the law enforcement could beat confessions out of us. So I don't mock it. I don't belittle it. I don't like when people say only mobsters invoke it. It's a right we all have and we should cherish, especially when it seems like this Supreme Court is determined to take some of our constitutional rights away from us. So we need to hold fast to it. So when you plead the fifth in the context of a criminal investigation, a criminal grand jury or a criminal trial, It can never be held against you. In fact, a jury will be instructed. You may not hold against a defendant his right to remain silent if he chooses not to testify at trial. That's right. Um, However, in a civil setting like Tish James' deposition, it can absolutely be held against Donald Trump. And here's how. If this case ever goes to trial, the, the case against Donald Trump and his spawn, I don't know that it will. I have a feeling it will (laughs) end up settling somehow. But if it goes to trial, the jury will be instructed. Ladies and gentlemen, you're going to watch a videotape. You're going to see the respondent, which is what you call the defendant in a civil proceeding ordinarily. You're going to see the respondent, Donald Trump, plead the fifth 400 times. You may use that against him. And here's how. You can draw negative inferences against his legal position and you can conclude that the reason he pled the fifth is because the truthful answer, if he were to give it, would have sunk his case. I'm taking liberties with the judge's instructions, but it can be held against him. And I think the fact that he pled the fifth 400 times all but guarantees he will lose this trial when and if This thing goes to trial.
2: Brilliantly put, Glenn. Again, I I agree with you. I cherish the Fifth Amendment and people's right to avoid self-incrimination while also saying he's the first president to ever do it. (laughs) And that alone is significant. Um, I want to ask you about Alvin Bragg, who opened up a grand jury probe and again is now begun investigating the uh, state crimes of Donald Trump. These pertain to the criminal hush money payments to Stormy Daniels, which Donald Trump essentially admitted in a post on Truth Social today that she was telling the truth all along. I saw a lot of people uh, being rather cynical about this yesterday. Glenn, more or less a lot of this too little too late and i i think that's exactly the wrong take for people to have don't you i mean if a crime has been committed the crime should be investigated regardless of when it was
3: oh it should absolutely be investigated and prosecuted promptly and it is the promptly part where i think alvin bragg has fallen down on the job you know uh, listen i welcome the fact that he is jump-starting these um you know this payoff to stormy daniels one hundred thirty thousand dollars to keep her mouth shut to bury from the american people deeply damaging information that frankly it was our right to know about a presidential candidate donald trump in a very real sense robbed us of the full value of our vote by committing crimes to shut stormy daniels up so i'm glad alvin bragg is investigating it now But I think it's fair to ask the question, why now? And there are a few reasons that come to mind. One, you know, it looked like he was prepared to indict Donald Trump in connection with the Trump Organization criminal trial that just concluded a couple of months ago. And he had a team of prosecutors, very experienced prosecutors who advised him, according to Mark Pomerantz, the lead prosecutor, they have enough evidence to indict and indeed they have enough evidence to convict. And for whatever reason, Alvin Bragg flinched and he overruled his own career prosecutors who are the ones who are in the best position to make that assessment and give that advice to Alvin That's Bragg. I mean. I, we have never gotten an explanation, but let's move forward. Now yeah. they went to trial against the Trump organization. I have a feeling that maybe they shook the tree a little bit and some incriminating evidence fell out that Alvin Bragg can now exploit in his investigation of Donald Trump. A second reason is some of the witnesses that testified at the Trump org trial for the prosecution may very well be some of the same witnesses who would have to testify against Donald Trump personally in a future Uh. criminal trial. So the prosecutors got to kick the tires, so to speak, of those witnesses, see how they withstood cross-examination. Maybe they're feeling more comfortable having to sponsor them again at trial in the future against the former president. Third reason, you know, in the intervening months, Donald Trump's tax returns have been were released first to Congress and then to the public. And I have a feeling they probably saw that the $130,000 was taken as a business expense unlawfully. That's tax fraud. That also, I think, provides additional evidence that might give Bragg a comfort level. And then I think two other reasons that are not all that honorable, in my opinion, but I'm going to spit them out anyway. Please. One, Bragg might be feeling the pressure of Fawney Willis being a fellow state a uh, prosecutor, district mm-hmm. attorney, maybe he doesn't want to be shown up, maybe uh-huh. he doesn't, you know, want her to steal the entire spotlight because it looks like her prosecution of Donald Trump is to use her word imminent. So now maybe he's feeling a little bit more emboldened. And then the last thing is we heard that Pomerantz is writing a book or is actually That's has right. published a book and that book will soon, you know, be in the public square. And what if that book, you know, makes clear that there was more than enough evidence to indict and successfully prosecute That's Donald right. Trump, then Alvin Bragg is really going to have egg on his face. So all of a sudden, on the eve of Pomerantz book release, Alvin Bragg is saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, I got to get back in yeah. the Donald Trump prosecution business.
2: And, and by the way, another possibility, just Alvin Bragg is on Twitter and was able to read the devastating things people were saying about him every day for months for not pursuing that case. Can I just ask you some very, very dumb questions about the Stormy Daniels case? Just a, just a baseline that people need to understand. Um, if Donald Trump paid a woman to not say she had an affair with him so it would help him win a presidential election and didn't report that expense, that is what constitutes the campaign finance violation because he was spending money to win an election just to buy silence.
3: You have campaign finance crimes. You have uh, tax fraud, without a doubt. And one of the things that is so bothersome to me, if I can engage in gross understatement right now, I'm going to stick with bothersome. (laughs) There have been federal tax crimes that we've seen in the harsh light of day. Think about when the Trump Organization and Allen Weisselberg were both convicted, one at trial, one pleaded guilty to a 15-year-long criminal scheme to defraud in the first degree. That's the technical charge. It is basically a tax fraud scheme. Well, when you commit state tax fraud, for which Weisselberg and the Trump org were convicted, you absolutely commit federal tax fraud as well. Why has there been complete radio silence from the department of justice on these easily provable federal tax crimes that's something i have no answer for
2: yeah, I, well, uh, we have a lot of silence from the DOJ that a lot of people are wondering about and waiting for very patiently. Well, one last question about this. You know, Donald Trump has said that he, he never paid her, and then he admitted he did pay her, and then we found out his name was on the check, and then we found out he tried to write it off after Michael Cohen went to jail for it. But Glenn, am I correct in saying, because I've had this debate with a few folks, that Donald Trump's official position remains that he never had the affair with her, although he does admit now the payments because the check has been revealed as far as I can understand his official position in light of in spite of what he might have said on truth social in the courtroom he still denied the affair he's just a, to to believe Donald Trump on this I do do you have to believe that he didn't have the affair but acknowledge he paid her anyway I mean I, I can't, know, keep track of the facts Glenn
3: yeah well that's because we don't get a lot of facts um from Donald Trump um, but you know, the affair is almost beside the point. The affair is Indeed, what we would refer to as motive evidence. and here's there's one thing that people might not know. Prosecutors are forever trying to prove motive in court. Why? Because jurors are human beings. They want to know not only that a crime was committed, but they want to know why the yes. crime was committed. And if you can give jurors powerful motive evidence, they're more likely to believe the evidence of guilt. They're more likely to convict. But motive is not an element of a crime. We never have to prove motive. And the affair or not, that's right. motive evidence. It's the payoff and the that's fraudulent right. uh, entries on the tax returns. That's the crime. Now, right. I think you know we can probably agree that he had sex with that woman. Stormy Daniels. And it doesn't really matter whether he admits to it or not. He committed tax fraud and campaign finance. That's the beautiful
2: part of it, Glenn, that he might have committed tax fraud and didn't even have sex in the process. That's (laughs) that we have to believe in the angels of hope. I would be most remiss if I if I didn't uh, bring up a great uh, tweet you had. Donald Trump's deranged rants on his third rate social media platform signal he knows what's coming. But what message has DOJ sent by declining to hold him accountable for more than two years after he launched an insurrection to retain power? That was January 27th. He wrote that. And I have to agree. I can't really complain with Facebook's choice to let him back on. No one's charged him with anything. Yeah,
3: that, that's what so upsets me. I still believe that we've all heard the, the saying justice delayed is justice denied. And I don't think any, anybody can plausibly dispute that justice has been delayed. I hope it's not entirely denied. But the message that has been sent by the Department of Justice, and it pains me every time I criticize my former professional home because I have so many friends and former colleagues who are still there doing the hard work of the American people, but I've got to call it the way I see it. The message that has been sent is when the next aspiring dictator – wants to overthrow our government. The Department of Justice has announced loudly and clearly, if you do that, you will have more than two years and counting to plot your next move. That is an abdication of DOJ's responsibility to timely attack the attempted violent overthrow of our government by the leader of our government, Again, none of this, you know, people ask me to explain it. And I say, I can't explain the inexplicable.
2: Glenn, before I let you go, I just want to ask, I'm sure, you know, you have your own feelings about the footage that was revealed this week of the Memphis Police Department for a long time. We hoped that police body cams would stop this. But at least um, even though the cops seem very certain they can wear body cams and commit these kind of crimes and not face any kind of penalty, it, it doesn't seem to have been a deterrent, at least not in this case. I don't really have a lot of optimism in the president bringing up any new police reform measures in a State of the Union in a week. There's no time for it, and it probably isn't going to poll that well for Democrats. But do you have any hope that we could see any kind of nationwide police reform in our life?
3: Only if we come to the understanding that you can't train hate out of a human being. You can't train somebody not to be a bully as an officer if they're a bully in their lives. You can't train prejudice, xenophobia, homophobia, misogyny, hate of all things other. You can't train that out of people. This is not a training issue. You can't ban a chokehold or take a particular weapon off a police belt and, and believe that that is going to address the excessive force problem. There's only one solution, And it is a doable solution. Notwithstanding, you're going to get a lot of opposition from organizations like police unions. It is extreme vetting of the people who seek to to wear a badge on their chest and put a gun on their hip and have the authority to order me and you and everybody else out of our car onto the ground, have the authority to arrest us. You have to vet people and and put the right people In the job and on the street extreme vetting with full citizen participation which is a longer conversation but it can be done extreme testing and training not just in the academy but every week while somebody's on the force and that also with full citizen participation because the people being policed Need to have a say. Thank you know, you. John, we can vote for our city councilman and our mayor and our governor and our officials that we send to Washington. And those people have some impact on our lives. They can pass laws that then impact our lives, but not as directly as police officers impact our lives Amen. every day. But we don't get to vote them in. So when we're hiring them, there should be full citizen participation. And part three is I love it. Um, extreme accountability. With full citizen participation, one strike, one excessive force complaint that is founded, then they're off the force and they may never police anywhere. Again, these things can be done. It just takes the political will to do it.
2: Glenn Kirshner, we got to hit a break. Everyone needs to subscribe to your podcast. It is fantastic. Justice matters. Before I hit the break, Springsteen begins his first tour in six years tomorrow. What's the most underrated album? I read your, I read your tunnel of love tweet. What's the best, most underrated spring scene album?
3: Okay. I, you know, I grew up on 1973's Greetings from Asbury Park and 1973's The Wild, The Innocent, and The E Street Shuffle. Please, everybody go back and listen to That's his 1973 catalog. I'm actually going to be little Steven Van Zandt's guest at the Springsteen concert in March in D.C., and I am like a 16-year-old kid on the Jersey Shore again.
2: Have a blast. Stephen does the show all the time, and it's an honor to have you back, Mr. Kirshner. Happy New Year to you. Please come see us again soon. Hitting our quick break, we'll be right back with your calls on progress.
4: CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car.
2: I'm John Fuglesang. This is SiriusXM Progress. We are at 866-997-4748. Going to be taking your calls all night long, and I'll be thanking you profusely for your patience on hold. Right now, however, just news in, uh, former South Carolina governor Nikki Haley, Donald Trump's uh, UN ambassador, will formally announce she is running for president and will seek the Republican nomination for her party's 2024 ticket. <sighs> Nikki Haley, whose greatest achievement was after a racist massacre with an ar-15 in her state getting everyone to talk about the confederate flag and not talking about ar-15s she is running for vice president and i'm sorry convince me otherwise she is running for president but she's really running to have trump or desantis pick her as a running mate mark my words i'm not ready to bet who will be the nominee of the party next year but i'm willing to bet right now nikki haley Will be the running mate. It is time once again to welcome back the great Natalia Reagan, anthropologist, primatologist, actor, writer, host, comedian, sidekick to Neil deGrasse Tyson on Star Talk, one time dancing McNugget on TV. We are always happy to have a great scientist and comedian with us. And every time she comes in here, she lets us know which expressions we've all gotten used to saying here around the liberal compound that are now verboten. That's right. It's time for another installment of The Bane of Liberals Everywhere. Shit, you can't say, Natalia. Welcome back to SiriusXM.
1: Thank you so much. <laughs> I have to
2: get like the deadly, like oh no, what <laughs> what gentle colloquialism of my youth are you going to pollute now for me? What well, what have I been saying that's to be a monster since childhood?
1: You are just the the worst man, and I, and I'm, uh, I'm here to yeah, just to school everybody and then let folks know. I'm just give you the tools to make the decisions whether you want to keep saying these horrendous things or not. You've but had tonight, some really good
2: ones too. What is tonight? Yeah,
1: we've had. We've had some good ones that are like, yeah, let's just throw that one out. But there are some questionable ones, and this is one that, because it has a very interesting past, it might not need to be, you know, doesn't need to be thrown out, baby with the bathwater style. But we should at least acknowledge its past. It okay. is eeny meeny miny mo.
2: Ooh, yeah, yes. yeah that, that one's counting history doesn't it?
1: Rhyme. Mm-hmm. Now, eeny meeny miny mo, catch a tiger by the toe. If he hollers, let him go. Meeny, meeny, miny, mo. That's something you might have heard in the schoolyard growing up. Now, even that hedges on animal abuse. Why are we yes, catching a enough. tiger? I don't advise this as a science expert, by the way. Don't, I don't, don't advise
2: grabbing it by the toe. I've, I've no. never advised that to children
1: <laughs> toe, tail, head. Toe, just don't touch the tiger. However, uh, this rhyme has a very long history. And it, it's not the origin story is, is there's multiple different origin stories that we're still not able to completely pinpoint. But there's so many versions and variations. But there was a book that came out in 1888 uh, that had eight different versions with the word tiger being replaced by the N word. And it's something that was said uh, for years. And even there was a song by Burt Fitzgibbons in 1906 that used that particular term in his song. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was done, you know, said by school children for years and until it was kind of phased out. And it was such a widely accepted uh, verse. Using that replaced word, uh, all 50 states had a version because there were That's multiple right. different versions. It wasn't just well, ne- one. Negro
2: was big, too, wasn't it? The catching Negro by his toe was used uh, yes. in, many, in but, many of the instances.
1: Mm-hmm. And so these are things that we, we can't run from. There are a ton of different variations on the rhyme that um, I have. I can go through that are some... Forgive my uh, ability or inability to to say this, but this was in 1850. It was written that there was one called Hanaman and it's Hanaman, Mona, Mike, Barcelona, Bona, Strike, Hair, Wear, Frown, Vanak, Harako, Warako, Wee, Woe, Wack. It's one of them. (laughs) It sounds like a warm up exercise.
2: It sounds like with Dr. Seuss's brief uh, uh, beat poetry, racist period. Yeah, I, I yeah. A wow. psilocybin
1: trip uh Susian type poem i I'm, I'm into it but also what but there's versions I mean, I, I, uh, I, I all. i remember over the hearing world.
2: like i remember hearing like catch an n-word by his toe if he hollers mm-hmm. make him pay 20 dollars every day like it yeah. seems like colloquially over across the countryside people would just put their own variations on it but generally it was always to some degree a measure of what slave owners would do if they caught a runaway slave
1: exactly and there's even uh talk that one of the ways they would pick or to purchase a slave, they would grab their toe. And if they, they hollered, they would not purchase. I mean, it's, it's, it's a really despicable uh, history that one of the things that we, well, we should talk about it. It's, it's one of those things where rather than running from it, face it. And then you can make the decision. Do you want to keep saying this, or do you want to just flip a coin rather than doing eeny, right. meeny, miny, mo. And even more, uh, even recently a flight attendant was, um, great I trouble because Southwest. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Because what happened? A, uh, Yeah, an African-American passenger was trying to pick a seat and basically she did eeny, meeny, miny, mo," but not with the N-word, but still they took it as some sort of racial um, slur or at least some derogatory uh, meaning behind her choosing that rhyme to pick a seat.
2: I mean, so. I've also heard, of course, this this nursery rhyme, which is often just gibberish, right? But it's been yeah. all across the world. Like there's German versions of it. There's Dutch versions of it. Uh, British versions of it. Scotland would say zainty tainty Henry mothery bumful Lentry over Dover. They'll all have their own variations. But consistently there with all the dozens of different versions in the U.S., oh, it was always the about worst. This same thing. It wasn't the poem wasn't racist in other societies
1: australia australia (laughs) i saw it there which is not not surprising yeah Yeah, so uh yeah new zealand was not but australia had the um the n-word instead of tiger which i was not fully shocked by but still uh the US it was widespread all 50 states had a version and uh yeah so it's something that it speaks hi- uh, it speaks a lot about our country i mean i'm not surprised i mean in the same day that you know it's it's ironic we're talking about it this as nikki haley is announcing she wants to run for president i mean it's
2: yeah you're right i mean so so what, where scary. where do we where do we come down on this because obviously we've all been raised with this nicer, watered-down version, catch a tiger by the toe. I mean, obviously, I guess it seems best to not go with the nicer, watered-down, sanitized thing we've been raised with and just try to get people to drop it for its history, I guess. I mean, there would be some who'd say, hey, this was not a problem in Scotland, not a problem in Germany. Why can't we still say it? But...
1: Let's come up with our own. Let's come up with something better. I mean, come on. Like, let's smoke a bowl or three. And John, you and me, let's just sit down, get some bongos out and just go to town and, and create our own our own version. That makes absolutely no sense. You know, wow. Wow. Well, I, I, I got to
2: say, it's always a pleasure to learn how sinister children's nursery rhymes can be. But this one ooh, even I talk, heard about before.
1: Well, if you want to get real crazy, let's talk grim fairy tales. We'll, we'll get on that that track one day. And ooh, yeah, they're, they're really to. grim.
2: Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd, I'd love to. By the way, I wanted to ask you about this other story that 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 I had just heard about. That uh, I, I don't even know what to do with this. Um, Yale has decided to honor this nine-year-old girl because um, she was trying to rid her town of the spotted lantern fly, Like so many here in New York, they yes. tell you to kill them right <laughs> away. And oh, this yeah. is a nine-year-old girl who was trying to to help her community. Her name's Bobby. I'm gonna let you set up this story because I I I just can't believe it.
1: Yeah, it's it's very impressive. This young lady, nine years old, uh, Bobby Wilson, learned about right? this. Name? Yeah, Bobby Wilson learned about this this invasive species, uh, which I'm very impressed that she was like, I'm on top of it, and so she was on a mission to eradicate it and and help protect the tree species in her neighborhood. So she came up with her own solution. It was water dish. Uh, dish soap and um, apple cider vinegar, and was spraying mm-hmm. lantern flies around her neighborhood. And a neighbor called it in to the cops, saying there was suspicious behavior. This, you know, I think she said a, a small black woman. It was a young girl uh, was yeah. doing this, and it scared her. Girl. And this is another thing: is is black children being, uh, they call it adultified, where their innocence is somehow stripped away. You've got, you know, Trayvon Martin, Tamir Rice, uh, Bobby Wilson that are somehow being uh, sort of compared to adults when they're just kids being kids. And not only is she being a kid, she's being a badass trying to save the world. And, and they still didn't want to let that fly.
2: Right. She's and so literally the cops trying came. to stop these lantern flies yeah. from ruining the trees in the neighborhood, literally doing mm-hmm. community beautification. And this this woman told the police and science. And science. Let me quote her. There's a little black woman walking, spraying stuff on the sidewalks and trees. I don't know what the hell she's doing. Scares me, though.
1: Wow. You know, and again, this is we can say this. And and I know that, you know, this, too, with the, uh, the, the Tyree Nichols, when people say, oh, how could this be white supremacy if it was black officers that did this to him? Would this happen if it was a little white girl? Let's just ask that question. Would this have would would Tyree Nichols still be here if he was a white man that had gotten pulled over? This is where white privilege is so absolutely blaringly obvious and we need to just call it out for what it is. And uh, this I'm so glad that Yale recognized that she's this young scientist. She wants to do science. And not only has she killed these lanternflies, she's collected their bodies. She is a woman after my own heart or child (laughs) after my own heart. She's collected them and donated her collection to be studied to Yale. So not only is she like changing the world, she's like here, go ahead and use my collection, and it's named for her. I mean, that's what's so cool is this kid is gonna hopefully do amazing things. She already is, but this is the problem: is they say that you know girls don't want to do science, or you know, um, there's a lot of marginalized communities that are not really welcomed into science, and it starts this young. You know, girls are interested. You know, people of color are interested, but when you gatekeep or create roadblocks or obstacles like this, yeah, you're going to have problems. And I mean, it's, this, it's terrible.
2: This really is a happy ending. I mean, the police obviously, yeah. you know, let, let her do her thing. Yale has decided <laughs> to honor this girl. And I understand even the woman who called the cops has apologized to Bobby's mother. It, it really does seem like it's it's you know, I, I'm sorry that she had to be put through this. But wow. Yeah. Now, of course, her messages reach so many more people. And we're talking about her on the radio. And she's been honored by Yale. I'm sorry she had to go through it. But wow, it just goes to show that sometimes the adversity can be worth it if it makes the message reach more people.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm hoping th- this does not happen again. And we can reach people without having this poor child get the cops called her. I mean, because that's oh, the other it's thing. It's like, again. what
2: it's going that's, to happen, but again. that's
1: what's scary. I know it will happen again, but this is why I think I like if I can send a message to white liberals out there who still might consider themselves liberal, but get a little scared because something is different or strange in their neighborhood. You know, they have consequences. You know, people can get hurt <laughs> because of this, and that's why I, it it breaks my heart because had it gone, had she been argumentative, had whatever, you know, this could have gone exactly very badly. And this is white people do better. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously the tapes, you know, I we did a whole rant on Friday about about the very fact that the cops did this to a black man because they knew they could get away with doing it to a black man. And of course, they waited until this week to begin naming the white cops who were on the scene and participating as well. So, yeah, it's it's yeah. Again, as horrible as it is, I'm happy because 20 years ago, these two stories never would have made it to the news. 20 years ago, we wouldn't have heard about this. Body cams. 20 years ago, this woman would have called the cops on this little girl and probably it never would have made it to the news. So again, I I take a lot of faith and hope from the fact that there are more of us who recognize that this shitty behavior is cruel and shitty. Yeah. I hope. No, and...
1: I do, too. And I think that you're right. Like, I'm glad that it's getting out there and people are talking about it. And she's making a big impact, which is, I mean, I think fantastic. Nine years old. I mean,
2: nine years old. Um, So we just two emergency (laughs) medical technicians and a lieutenant assigned to drive the Memphis Fire Department vehicle to the scene of Tyree Nichols arrest. Uh, They have now been arrested. After his death, um, these firings came just as Memphis police announced two suspensions of other police officers Two Shelby County Sheriff's deputies are also suspended. But neither of those officers were identified. Again, the EMT people have been arrested. The white cop who tased Tyree Nichols and told the other cops to stomp his ass. He's still just suspended. And we only found out about the white cops this week. But no, there can't be racism. The five cops were black. Yeah. Yeah
1: ah uh, mm. yeah again it's yeah, amazing think... to
2: be alive at a time when people aren't getting away with this anymore it's amazing right. to be alive at a time when when cops can't get away with it every year it gets harder that's the only positive i can find in this
1: the body cams I'm, i really do i thank god it's being televised now in, in a very big way but i still think that they the rush to arrest these black cops versus any white cop that did the same it's it. you know you can't not recognize
2: at least we finally found out what it would take for Fox News to not defend cops <sighs> accused of killing an unarmed black man. Natalia Reagan, how do our listeners follow you and keep up with all your doings?
1: Uh, on Instagram and uh, Twitter, at Natalia13Reagan. On TikTok, Behold Natalia. And I have a show coming up on February 15th at Flappers. It is a comedy contest. You should come and vote for me because I win money. And Flappers I need some Hollywood? money.
2: I'm all over it. What's the date on that yeah. one?
1: February 15th at 8 p.m. It's Uncle Clyde's Comedy Contest, and there's $10 promotional tickets <laughs> Come still on available. Down.
2: Thank you, Natalia. Quick break, then we're back with your calls. This is SiriusXM Progress, up till midnight.
5: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.
0: This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. And the best part, you can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's TV slash poppods to get 50% off your first month.
2: So the Biden administration is going to say that the pandemic is no longer a public health emergency. And we can debate about that. COVID is the eighth leading killer of children in this country and the number one respiratory killer of children and teens. But while they're going to drop that public health emergency, they're now considering declaring a new public health emergency to help free up resources to help women access abortion care. This is really interesting. Um, A lot of activists and uh, uh, lawmakers are urging HHS and the White House to take some kind of steps in response to the overturning of Roe v. Wade. So Health and Human Services Secretary Javier Becerra was talking about there are discussions on a wide range of measures that we can take to try to protect certain people's rights. There are criteria you have to look for to be able to declare a public health emergency typically done by scientists and those that are professionals in the field. He said there hasn't been a full assessment of what of it, but the White House has said that previously declaring a public health emergency for abortion rights did not seem like a great option. Again, that's usually used for natural disasters, the opioid crisis, coronavirus. But an emergency declaration would potentially make it easier for people who need to travel out of state to terminate a pregnancy or to get medication to get them. It could also make the abortion medication more widely available. Of course, it would likely be challenged in court. But we will see how hard this White House is prepared to fight for this. It's going to be an interesting year. And I'm also glad to welcome back to the show Dr. Tracy Pearson, who is a legal analyst and consultant you've seen on TV, radio, podcasts, frequently quoted in the media. From everything from Forbes to the New York Post, you may have seen her across multiple Fox syndicates and Cheddar News and News Nation. Dr. Pearson, welcome back to Sirius XM.
6: Well, happy Tuesday evening to you, John.
2: Thank you. It's so good to have you with us. I, I, I wanted to ask you your thoughts on what we've witnessed so far with this same videotape, you know, next week is going to be the State of the Union. And no one's really expecting Joe Biden to bring any new police reform proposals. To the speech. You know, the White House said the president did everything he could with that executive order on policing last year. But a lot of civil rights leaders are waiting to see what Biden's going to say about his previous promise to fund 100,000 more cops as part of his Safer America plan. Everyone knows Biden is 100% against defund the police, but now he's getting more pressure from activists and members of Congress to do more to advance any kind of police reform after the death of Tyree Nichols. I I have to say, if the cops weren't required to wear those body cams, I don't know if any of us would even be having this conversation, doctor.
6: Exactly. Uh, That's why that video is so critically important. Uh, I know that uh, when uh, Tyree Nichols was killed, um, the initial response was shock. And then after that, the response was, don't watch the video. Don't share the video. And I disagree with that and i think that that particularly white people need to see that video because we have become so desensitized uh to to visual um content because at least the generation after mine lived their life is living their life on video Uh, they're documenting every minute of the day um and it isn't it isn't a teledrama it isn't a film it is real it is a real thing that happened to somebody that is tragic um, my, my whole feeling about it, it comes from a different space, and um, I recognize it's a very privileged space, but it is a space of, I need more information. Um, I am frustrated when we talk about isms, because isms don't have solutions. Right. Isms are um, important. It's an important, these are important concepts. But they aren't solutions and solutions require evidence and data and in order to make them and make them work. And I've been sort of working through this in my mind. I wrote a substack on it. I know you you may have seen it um, Mm -hmm. where it uh, I talk about um, the fact that implicit bias plays such a a key um, component in our our thinking process. Implicit bias is not a character flaw.
2: How do you how do you define implicit bias for those who aren't up on the term? I agree with you.
6: Absolutely. Um, it, it, I, I implicit bias is generally understood as um, the unconscious um, beliefs uh, that guide our actions. But that isn't how I define it. Um, right. How I define it is that it's basically rooted in neuroscience and it's a changeable behavior. It's a survival mechanism. Um, and it, so it's not a character flaw. Everybody has it. Um, and it's done Um, because of the way the human brain operates. It it operates through a process of pattern detection and probability determination. So as it is, as you are existing in the world for 24 seven, even as you're sleeping, your brain is taking in data and it is putting it into buckets. Even as you're sleeping, it's trying to figure out what's going on in the world. That's why you wake up in the middle of the night and Mm. you if you wake up and it is a sound that it can't recognize it will wake you up if it wakes you up and you're alerted to a fire alarm you know that's danger if it can't right. put it into the right bucket so it's pattern detection if it can't put it in the right bucket it calls it danger and it doesn't know where to put it so it the body becomes charged in how to respond to it so pattern detection and probability determination what is it and how do i react to it what's the likelihood it's going to kill me that's really what it comes down to. Um, and it's happening at such a fast speed that there's a high error rate. So mm, it's happening simultaneously. They've shown this in studies um, where it's happening at such a high speed that there's an error rate. Um, and, it, you know, the brain hasn't changed its model, you know, or its software, right. really. But it's got more data to, to sift through. Mm. And, you know, it's like papers on a desk. It right. fall, They fall off. So, um, in any event, um, and so, (laughs) and so what it is, is it's, it is, it is a, without malice, the brain is making these decisions and, um, it's based off of these patterns and those patterns are gained through your lifetime. So where I talk about isms, those are important. Your beliefs and what you've been exposed to is important, but it's when it comes to a lot of these situations, people are responding to fear. It's all based fear. Yes, because that's what implicit bias is. It's a it it is how do I keep the brain alive? That's all it is. And it's treating information in a way that that is trying to determine whether it's a threat or not. And if it sees it as a threat, the body will be told to respond in a certain way.
2: If that makes sense, of course. But to me, that is exactly why Tyree Nichols ran after being stopped by the police. I want to say a routine traffic stop because apparently he wasn't even driving in any illegal or appropriate way. That's what the chief of police said. They just pulled him over for a traffic stop in a relatively safe neighborhood and yanked him out of his car. And I think when watching the tape and you see how polite he is, he never uses profanity. He's never disrespectful to the cops. He keeps saying, what did I do? I I think there's a reasonable expectation that he did fear for his safety or his life. And that was what prompted him to get up and run. And tragically, that is what prompted these cops to go and do the job on him, as they say.
6: Well, and, and exactly there. The human body is going to respond the way the human body does. Um, and the human brain is going to respond the way it does. And so there are these competing interests at play in that stop. But I can't say that. Because I don't know what preceded the stop. I'm not in any way suggesting that Mr. Nichols did anything wrong or deserved anything that happened to him. No way am I saying that. But I don't know what preceded it. So I don't know if the police officers were responding to fear. I don't know if they were responding to, and and I'm not in any way suggesting this. So I want to take it out of the Tyree Nichols context. Well, they're
2: they're, they're men. Let's assume they're men. Let's assume they're responding to fear. But go on.
6: Well, so I want to take it out of this context because I don't want anybody to say that I'm, I'm, making, I'm making this allegation. Uh, we'll take Joe, and Joe is driving down the street, and somebody thinks that car is uh, the car they saw parked outside their girlfriend's house, and she cheated on him. And so they see the car, and they pull him right. over, and they're going to get him. Right. That could be a circumstance. I'm not saying that happened. Or it could be that the car was d- going down the street, and they passed the, the unmarked vehicle. That's that person right. passed the unmarked vehicle, and the officers perceived that as being uh, a road rage, disrespect, forgetting they were in an unmarked car, um, and and took off after the person. Or maybe they just have poor uh, Im, uh, impulse control, and that can Clearly. be a result. Well, that can be a result of of the the fear mechanism because it, it's the reasoning part of your brain and the emotional part of your brain, and these pathways and when these repeated stressors happen um they weaken the ability of the reasoning part of your brain to shut down that emotional part of your brain so in other words i got this this isn't like that sit down be quiet um don't hit that person that's your reasoning part of your brain the emotional side is screaming hit the person hit the person we're in danger and so those two things are competing and when those pathways are are stressed beyond measure they stop communicating effectively. And studies have shown that repeated exposure to stressors will make those pathways not suitable for communicating. So, it gets harder and harder for the reasoning part of your brain to shut down the emotional part of your brain. And so, when, when we think about these situations, um, what, what I think about is police officers do a job. They chose to do a job, that job requires them to get exposed to all sorts of things. And the job that the way it's set up is not conducive to taking care of their brain. Just like football is not conducive to taking care of the player's brain. And so i think that i'm not coming to law enforcement's defense my my sort
2: of no but i think umbrella- you're actually an, I, I think you're actually analyzing it. i'm sorry because I, I i i saw those men and i thought they were men who were in various states of fear and anxiety yeah. none of them were confident no one was in charge they were all terrified i think on a masculine level of how it would look if this skinny 29 year old were to get away from them i mean my god the one cop who who chases him half the video is him panting for breath and clutching to the side of a car because he's so winded from just a foot chase. I think there was a lot of male bullshit going on in well, here. Well,
6: absolutely. In Tennessee, uh, you know, my understanding is this 488 hours of training and basic training. You're allowed to be on the job for six months before you even uh, have your basic training course. Um, it is it is by, by just the lowest, one of the lowest standards other than Hawaii, um, wow. for, for training of officers and part of my dissertation, the reason why I can sort of talk and you'd have to like bot me in the head to make me be quiet is that, um, is that my dissertation was on implicit bias in workplace investigations, and uh. it's applicable to this. It is about, it's about how people's judgment is impacted by implicit bias and what is happening in your brain and, and why these things are so, um, uh they're so subject to error and the same goes for police stops the same goes for child abuse investigations the same goes for any type of investigation you can think of because judgment inherently involves implicit bias
2: right so then let me ask you what what could be A realistic beginning of a solution i don't have a lot of faith that any kind of national standard can ever be imposed i'd love to see chokeholds banned on the national level obviously defund the police is not realistic um but you know of the options that could be available of the things that we could hope for i mean disbanding special task forces you know increasing oversight and accountability banning chokeholds banning no-knock warrants having more civilian involvement with community boards and groups. I mean, where wh- where do we begin? Yes, it's never been harder for a cop to get away with this kind of abusive murder before, but we know we're still a long way from where we have to be. What what would the beginning of a solution look like?
6: Well, the problem is we're treating the symptom. We're not treating the cause. Of so course. we need to start As with everything else. Exactly. So my, my feeling about this is, is that at least two particular things need to be done. One is that my study showed that, um, that generally speaking, folks in these sorts of roles um, don't have applied knowledge of how implicit bias impacts their decision making. And when we talk about implicit bias, there's a certain group of people out there who goes, I'm not biased. I'm not racist. Right. I didn't, that's not me. It's right. not a character flaw. It is a a natural thing that we all have. And once I prove it to you, and I could prove it to you with an assessment, once I prove it to you, now you have something in front of you that I can then work with a a group of people on in developing a training that in their particular job function, how does this impact your thinking on a day-to-day basis so that you can slow your thinking, so that you can be aware of it because you have to be aware of it to correct for it. The second thing is that um, we we put officers through hell and back on these um, duty schedules, and they're just exposed nonstop to these stressors. And what we need to start thinking about is uh, sort of a a schedule like the Secret Service, where you have... Now, they aren't the best when it comes to some other things, but we don't really hear about them shooting people uh, at will. Um, right. all the time or beating people to death um on the side of the road so um they they have a a, a training system where it's basically two weeks of training for every um for every eight weeks uh they're, they're 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 working and so it's like two two weeks off four weeks of work two weeks of training and and it's circling so that they are constantly being trained and they are constantly getting some respite and they then they go back and they apply it and and that's what you need to see happening. And it needs to stop being a nine to five job or, a, you know, a ten to, you know, whatever hour it's that 12 hour shift thing. Um, it needs to stop being that and it needs to start being something that recognizes that the human brain doesn't function well right. day after day after day being exposed like that. We know that from combat. Well, you're right. Police officers in high crime areas are in combat. That's how they're reacting. And again, I have no idea what precipitated this, and so I'm being utterly cautious of because course. I I don't know if it was they perceived fear and th- or whether they had fear, they perceived something that caused fear, or whether they were just being just assholes. I really maybe don't the latter, doctor.
2: Might be the latter. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, I'm I'm trying to give them the benefit of the doubt and say they had some kind of fear, but. This was a crime of power. They did this because they could. And and again, they did this to a black man because they were certain to their bones they could get away with doing this to a black man.
6: And yet... We say accountability is important, but you know what? Our our prisons are filled with accountability, and nobody stops doing crime. So yeah, you have to true. ask yourself: you know, does a does a serial killer go? Gee, I don't think I should do this tonight. I might get the death penalty. No, they don't.
2: That's true. And I don't
6: think that 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 really has the same impact on police officers either.
2: Eight six six nine nine seven forty seven forty eight. Doctor Tracy, before I go, I need to ask your expertise about one thing. Um, I just okay. want to play a little clip of a a guy who's been through a lot. A guy who's been sinned against more than sinning. A a man who has um, suffered the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune. He's still standing. He's still fighting for other people. I'm talking about Congressman George Santos of Long Island. Uh, He was upbeat with reporters today after renouncing his committee assignments until he can clear his name. Give a quick listen. A4. Are you confident that
5: you will be clear?
2: Yes, I am. Why Why?
5: Why are you confident? I'm confident I'll be clear because I have have nothing to hide. Why do you answer questions about your, your past? your finances. My questions question. will be answered to the appropriate people. The media is not judge and jury of anything. Okay.
2: My question, doctor, is, um, is, is he what's wrong with America or is he just a symptom of what's wrong with America? I mean, he's, this guy.
6: He's a symptom and he is part of the problem. He's delusional. First of all, I, his idea that he's going to be cleared. I don't know how you clear yourself from something that wasn't True. (laughs) He's going to clear his own name
2: from his comments.
6: (laughs) Yeah. He's, you know, I'm glad that he's sitting this one out, but he needs to go home and somebody else needs to take his place. That's just simply how it has to go. Because that is the, I mean, I thought Marjorie Taylor Greene was the lowest common denominator, but, but apparently we can go lower.
2: But this guy. Dr. Tracy, I mean, if he's going to sit there and vote for whatever Kevin McCarthy wants, his job is as safe as a band leader who laughs at Jay Leno's jokes. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he's never going anywhere. This guy can ha- be guilty of all the lies, and he is protected. This is a level of privilege for bad behavior that rivals almost Donald Trump.
6: I agree with you, and and yet there's this weird dynamic in the the, the Republican Party where, uh, I hate using even that word because they really aren't Republicans anymore the Republican party where y- 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 even McCarthy is on thin ice if if somebody mm-hmm. doesn't if he doesn't do what what a faction wants man he's looking at a at a new speaker vote and you and I are back here doing 15 rounds of who gets it today mm-hmm. and and then you've got this guy i mean they it's going to be just this tremendous in fighting And, you know, as much as they want to create this idea that they are unified and going to be working on these, you know, the debt ceiling and these problems, they're insane. They're going to be fighting with each other because they that's don't right. have anything that sticks them together. It's it's fuzzy tape.
2: Yeah, it's all it's a cult of selfishness. And when that's the case, usually they'll turn against each other. Dr. Tracy Pearson, it's such a pleasure having you with us on Tuesdays. What is the best way for our evil army of the night to follow you and keep track of your work?
6: I love The Evil Army of the Night, and I encourage them to contact me at Twitter, at Instagram, at LinkedIn, and TikTok, all at Tracy Explains. Uh, there's TracyExplains.com, which is my website, and I have a Substack, which is Dr. Tracy Explains.
2: Thank you, Doctor. You're the best. Thanks for joining us.